Mr. Benfica is a production of the PTB Media Network. All rights reserved. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Stitcher, CastBox, Overcast, Himalaya, Pod Paradise, TuneIn, Breaker, and now available on iHeartRadio, Radio.com, and also on Audible for Amazon Prime subscribers. As always, select episodes available on YouTube and, of course, at www.mrbenfica.com. Please like, share, and rate the show on your preferred platform. Enjoy the show. Vegan Nation, welcome to episode 114 of Mr. Benfica. I am your host, the Mr. Mike Agustinu, and I'm here with another Benfica review ma- of, of a match, all right? Um, little disclaimer, I'm not feeling great tonight, okay? Uh, the cold that ripped its way through my house last week, my son, my wife, um, it's found its way to me. So uh, I'm playing at, you know, 70% tonight, maybe 60, but but we're going to get through this. We're going to get through this together, all right? So I hope that my voice is all right. I hope it's sounding okay because we've got the final match of the season to talk about. The final match of the league season, that is. The the end of Liga Nage 2020-2021. And it was Benfica traveling up north to the Don Alfonso Henrique in the birthplace of Portugal to take on Vitória Guimarães. But before that, there is a little bit of news that I'm going to talk about before we get into it, okay? And um, first of all, I think that this round 34, I, I'm going to start right here. I'm going to start firing shots right off the bat, okay? And I'm not talking about clubs right now. This was the final week, or I should say the final round as Liga Nage, okay? Nage is no longer the sponsor. They no longer have the naming rights. Next year, it'll be the Liga Portugal B-Win. As far as I know, that is what the league is going to be called. And this was the final night 
of the season or in that name. It was the last night that the league had that name, okay? The final night. And I don't think Naj gave a damn about that. I don't think Naj had... Uh, they, they checked out because this was an absolute train wreck of a round. Like I said in the previous episode, the matches were scheduled for Wednesday. Everyone assumes it's the final day of the season. Everyone's going to play at the same time. Of course, you can't do that when Sport TV is involved. Okay? Sport TV is not going to allow that. They want to televise at least the big three on at different times. So you, you get staggered starts. But the biggest, biggest haymaker thrown in this whole thing was dropped on Portondela and Passage Tejeda. Because on Tuesday, on Monday, I should say Monday, they were informed by Liga Nage, formed by, I'm assuming by Pred Proenza, that they're playing on Tuesday now. Tondela's manager was very critical of this, obviously, because he's a manager and he planned his week out to play on Wednesday. That was the scheduled day. No, he finds out on Monday that his game is going to be on Tuesday. 24 hours. This doesn't. This isn't even acceptable in amateur leagues, much less in a top division professional league. With Pasos Tejeda, granted they had already qualified for the Europa Conference, but with a Europe level team playing, and that shouldn't matter. Their place in the table should not matter at all. But for them to make that decision in such a short time frame. First of all, these players have training regiments, even at the end of the season. Okay, they're trying to keep everyone to get through. They're trying to get everyone through the 34th match without injury so that they can go enjoy their holiday. Um, so they can go if they're pl- going to play for national teams. That's not necessarily the case. Although, yes, it is the case because Pastor Svejeda has uh, Stefano Stakio, who will be you know, representing Canada this, in the next international window. So, again... You got a training regiment. You've got a recovery mode because we played on the weekend. And now you've taken that day of recovery away, but you only told them with 24 hours notice. That change that can change everything for a manager, for a player, okay? Yeah, maybe the positioning in the table doesn't matter in this match, but in terms of, you know, the players want to be prepared to play, the manager wants to be prepared to manage. Maybe he's got a guy, you know, who's trying to get back to make his final appearance before he leaves the club or something to get his swan song. There's the other embarrassment about about supporters. I guess they only decided a day before the match that it'd be unfair to have supporters <laughs> for one round, and so that only the teams that play at home that round got the advantage. It took until the day before to figure that out. First you say there's going to be supporters, then you say it's not fair. Who is doing the thinking in this league? Who is running this league? And I'm not gonna I'm gonna move to to the next point, which is another disaster about this league. Uh if you live in North America like I do, little did I know, because I follow this league very close, okay? I follow this league very, very closely. I even follow things like T V rights very, very closely. Now, on I think Tuesday, our friend Cristiano from Benfica Podcast threw out a tweet. He had it on good word from a good source that BN Sport is in the running to to broadcast Liga Nage next season. 
that makes sense because again if you follow the tv rights things here this is a huge tv market in the united states of america okay big money is paid to put football on television believe it or not everyone thinks that there's that that americans don't know football that there's no football here well guess what big leagues pay a lot of money to put football on our televisions actually a lot of americans watch this game it's just there's a lot of americans that don't but the sheer number of people in this country that follow this sport is a large large block it's a large customer base so tv rights are expensive liga nauge has had a a fantastic partner in gold tv i'm going to go to bat right now and i'm going to stick up for gold tv because they have been a fantastic partner to liga nauge they have treated this league like their number one product Perhaps not on the English side as much, but on the Spanish side, this league has been treated top of the notch, okay? Top notch by Goal TV. Something happened because Goal TV did not air a single match in round 34. Now, I'm, 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 I'm sure it has something to do with being sport getting involved. However, however... I understand business. Trust me, I understand that. And BN Sport is a great, great platform. Although, there's many that think BN Sport is going to go away in the USA after World Cup 2022. They are li literally blackballed by every major carrier in this country. Okay, they're available on streaming. Okay, I'm going to go out here and say it. The majority of people that watch this league in this country stream it illegally. That's Liga Nauja's fault, okay? And I feel for Gold TV on this one because, like I said, they did a great job. They they made this league important. Their commentators followed it. Their commentators knew what they were talking about, both on the English and on the Spanish side. Okay, um, there were many times that Liga Nage got the time slot over the Ecuadorian league, the Colombian league, you know, over the Uruguayan league. Okay. Liga Nage was treated very, very well by Goal TV. Now this, you know, they couldn't have figured out a way to get this last round on television to get it basically streaming, but Goal TV is basically only available on streaming as well. Its only problem is its, its, is its availability is very limited, just like Goal TV, just like uh, BN Sport, excuse me, BN Sport USA. So they're going to go from one television partner to another, which is part of the business. That's fine. However, however, for Goal TV to completely black out this final round on a product that they have treated so well and with so much pride. I've been in contact with, with, with people at Goal TV. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to disclose that. You know, off the record, I have shared conversations with people at Gold TV. It started a few seasons ago when I thought they were doing a great job with our league. Uh, and that was on the Spanish side. Fortunately, I'm fortunate enough that I understand what they're saying. My Spanish isn't the best, but I can understand what they're saying, especially in football terms. And I was able to, you know, exchange messages in Spanish with them. And I told them that they do a great job. And that opened up a... a a path of communication with gold t between myself and Gold TV. I'm not going to say with who, but um, recently I've been tweeting with, with with the English language Gold TV commentator, 
with Nino Torres. Uh, we've tweeted each other back and forth a little bit. You you would have heard my name during the Sporting match because he shouted me out at the beginning of the match. Um, obviously, I didn't ask him about this because he's a commentator. I'm not going to put him in that spot. He may have information, but it's not fair to ask of it. However, I stopped hearing from Goal TV this week. And I'm talking about on the corporate side. I didn't get, for the first time in two years, I didn't get a response from Gold TV what happened. The league did something. They did some, They did Gold TV dirty somehow. I'm pretty sure of it. Now, I don't have proof of this, but if you're going to sign a new TV deal with another company, that is part of the business. That is fine, but there is a way to do it. So what happens as a result? The final day of the season... Yeah, it's easy. For us as Benfiquistas, or for Sportingistas or Portistas, we only care about our teams. And the season's done for us. Everything was set in, in place. Everybody knew where they were. Everybody, you know, was was set. Our, our, our places in the table were confirmed. However, for Vitória Guimarães, our opponents in this match, they've got fans. Maybe not as many, but they got fans. But you know who does have a lot of fans outside of Portugal? Santa Clara has a lot of fans outside of Portugal. How many Azorians live here in the northeast of the United States? Where I live, that is the majority. Where I grew up, that is the majority. My mother is, is an Azorian. My father's not. But, and I identify much stronger with my father's side of the family uh, in terms of football especially, but culturally as well. But my mother's side of the family is Azorian. Most of the American people I talk to about this game, week in, week out, most of you are Azorian. A lot of the Canadian audience is Azorian. That means they have, even if they're Benfiquistas, or if they're Portistas, or if they're Sportingistas, they have an interest in Santa Clara. That's the team of their region. They were playing for a spot in the Europa Conference. The tiny islands in the middle of the ocean playing to go to Europe. Literally, the westernmost edge of Europe. And there's no images anywhere. Because nobody carried round 34 with the exception of RTPE, who gave us this match that we're going to talk about tonight. They put Benfica on RTPE. Without that, there wouldn't have been any legal way to watch this, any of these matches. Now, I know the illegal streams are out there. I know people do them. I said this earlier today to my cousin um we 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 chatted a little bit on facebook about it and you know he said well there were there were he found you know he hinted that he found streams showing the images because i thought that would have i wanted when benfica's match ended i wanted to go somewhere and watch santa clara celebrate their spot i wanted to see the boa vista players crying tears of relief because they were safe i wanted to see the emotion in the Ferenc players that are going down. Or the relief again for Hiwav, who, though they're not safe, they're going to a playoff. And I guarantee we're not going to see this playoff between between uh, Hiwav and either Aroca, uh, Vizela, or Academica. We're not going to see that anywhere. The, this league is so centric on Portugal. Are they that unaware of how big their viewer, their audience is outside of the, the country. That they treat their, their media partners this way and then we end up with no, with no broadcast. 
with no live stream. And then they have the gall, whether it's on Sport TV, on Canal Ones, on BTV, on... I, I've never watched Porto Canal, but I bet it's on there too. And on Sporting TV, I never watched those channels, but I've never seen them. But I wouldn't be surprised if these commercials are there too. These, they show them at halftime, these anti-piracy commercials. You're spitting in the face of your customers. You're spitting in the face of your fans. You're telling them not to pirate content. And there is issues with piracy. Absolutely. Okay, I know a lot of people don't get it, but it does cause issues because <laughs> just look at all the layoffs at ESPN here in the United States that they've had, okay? Piracy leads to job losses. I, I get that. But you have left your fans with no other option. If I have to choose between, if especially if I'm supporting a small club and we're fighting for our lives in the first division and we, we score in the 92nd minute to stay up, I'm going to go through whatever I have to to see that those that moment, if, especially living abroad. The Liga Nauts doesn't care about any of that, or the Liga Portugal. They don't care about any of the fans. That's why these stadiums were closed all season. Yes, I know the government had regulations, but you don't think that if the league pressured the government that they could, they could get somewhere, they could get a compromise? Of course not. They didn't want that. They wanted people sitting at home watching on pay television. They wanted people subscribing to, to Sport TV, even if they're air, giving Sport TV live for the for the for the extent the the time frame of the pandemic. And I do believe Sport TV went live. It's uh, not live. Excuse me, free to 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 people. They were able to watch it without a subscription. It's still an advertisement for the service. They want you to sit at home and watch it on the television so they can sell ad space. They don't want you in the stadiums because that hurts the te- that can potentially hurt the television number, even though that's a ridiculous, ridiculous way to look at it. That's an absolutely uh, atrocious way to look at it because how many fans attend matches in a weekend and then versus what a television number is? I mean, it wouldn't even register as a half a percent. It wouldn't even register as that, but they think this way. So, here in North America, we got a blackout. I know people watch it. (laughs) They stream it. Um, I stopped doing that because I went through three laptops. And because covering or, you know, following... I'm not really a journalist. I'm just a podcaster. But following this game and following the business side of this game, I, I felt... I feel... I still feel. I shouldn't say I felt. I still feel... I I would not be someone who pirates the content if you know I will pay for content I will support the league I was happy to pay uh streaming subscriptions to get these matches I subscribe to Canal 11 to watch mainly the women's football but also to watch the second division to watch the the Campeonato Nacional to watch the women's national team to watch the futsal if I tried hard enough, I could find that for free. I choose not to do that. I choose to be a customer. And there's plenty of other people that do the same thing. They choose to do things the legal way and to pay for it. And then the league just just spits on the face of those that bring the game to us. I get, I've gone off. I know I've gone on a tangent here. Gone a little bit off topic. 
um, here in my defensive goal TV. I'm not against the, the Liga going to be in sport. I think that's great. Problem is, being sport is in deep trouble. Why do you think La Liga just jumped ship to ESPN? I can tell you right now, they've been trying to get out of that deal for a couple of, of years. And it's no one at BN Sports' fault. Okay, the, the BN Sport is a great network. The problem is cable companies uh, are just blackballing them and not carrying them. So La Liga's not on in enough televisions here in the United States. So they needed a new partner, and now they'll be on ESPN next next season. And I've always thought ESPN Plus is a perfect home for our league, but um, they they have the they have the Belgian league. I mean, the Australian league, the Liga Nage easily fits into their into their uh, portfolio of leagues. But you know, again, these networks are are tr are struggling right now. A lot of, of it is because of piracy, okay? And I'm not telling anyone how to watch games. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is the league is putting people in a position and not giving them not giving them the opportunity to purchase the product. They're only giving them the opportunity to steal it, if you want to look at it that way. And listen... If we if this league goes to be in sport, I'll be very happy. I'm just concerned be in sport is going to go away because I'm not making this up. This is something I've heard from other people. Not not be in sport as a whole. It's a it's a giant global brand, but be in sport USA. I don't want to see it go away. But with the loss of La Liga, okay, they lost the Serie A a few seasons ago. You know they're down to the French league now, which they'll always have because. Of the Qatar influence, okay? Um, yeah, the Liga Nosh fits nicely now into their lineup. Sorry, the Liga Portugal B win. It fits nicely into BN's lineup. Plus, you got you got Eric Krakauer there, who is per the perfect lead announcer for this league. If you don't know, he he is of Portuguese descent, and he supports a club that's not Benfica. But we don't have to talk about that. He is for me. The best up-and-coming American uh, commentator on matches. Okay, he's good in the He's a good as a studio analyst. He's really good as a studio analyst. He's really good on color, and he can do play-by-play -play as well. He is gonna. He would be the perfect lead announcer for this league. So I'm all for this league going to be in sport. I feel for the people at Gold TV because I've established this little bit of a relationship with them but I understand but it has to be done in a professional way because for them to not air round 34 tells me they're not airing Liga Portugal anymore okay if you go to be if you go to gold TV they're showing matches from three weeks ago okay they're still showing they've shown Benfica Sporting like all week that's what they showed they actually put Benfica Sporting on while Benfica was playing live against Vitória Guimarães, is what Gold TV did. That tells me that that relationship is broken. So, I do believe. Now, whether the deal get, I should say, whether the deal gets closed and and signed, sealed, and delivered with BN Sport is another story because these things fall apart at the last second all the time. But I do believe we've seen the last of Liga Liga Portugal on Gold TV here in the United States, and and that saddens me. I'll be honest, that saddens me. Um, it saddens me that this looks like it was done the wrong way. 
And as a result, like I said, we missed out on the best part of the final day of the season, which is all the emotion. And it's the relegation battle. It's something we don't get in American sports. And something Americans don't get. And I now I'm speaking far too much to an American audience. And I've gotten off the topic of Benfica. But I've had this bubbling up in me since Wednesday. And I had the need to, 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 to let this out. Um, no doubt this will be... I think this will be a topic um, coming up soon. Uh, there's some more episodes coming in the in the near future, and I, I do have a guest coming on very very soon within a week, in about a week or so. And uh, we're gonna wrap up the season. It's somebody that if you watch my show and you've seen me before, and I guarantee most of you watch his show as well um, and listen to his show. So it's 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 you know it's it's another podcast another Benfica podcaster uh that's well known and who does a, a phenomenal job with his with his work and his job in his uh show and I uh, had him on last year so uh we'll have him back and if you don't know who I'm talking about well you get to be surprised in about a week or so um and we'll talk about some end of the season things again like we've done in the past and I'm sure uh this will come up but I, this is just something that I watch closely when it comes to TV rights and streaming. And I'm always nervous at the end of the season. As much as I'm burnt out from watching Befica play poorly for most of the season. And as much as I'm burnt out just from so much, so many matches crammed into a shorter time frame. Remember those seasons start at the end of September, not the middle of August. Um, I You get to this point in the season, I'm always worried with Befica and with the Portuguese league where am I going to see it next year you know these deals are never too long term but hopefully you know everything works out we get a good we get a good television partner we're able to easily find Portuguese football come come early August mid-August when it starts up again all right so we're going to take our break now um I will go through the rest I don't have any more news, actually. So we will go through, uh, we will start going through the match on the other side of this break. If you're listening to the podcast, you're going to get a special music, uh, a special personal selection of mine tonight. It's not going to be Reconquista. I changed it up a little bit because we're at the end of the season. The season's over. It's a special, uh, <laughs> a special song from a, you know, a, it's a lot, uh, yeah, I believe it's a live performance, and he, you know, I'm not going to give away too much information. But the lead singer is wearing a Befica jersey in the Rock and Rio Festival in Lisbon that year uh, when that song was performed. So I hope you guys like it. It's on the other side of this break, and then we'll get into Vitória Guimarães versus Benfica Round 34 at Liga Nage. This is Mr. Benfica. I am the Mr. Mike Agustinho. Follow me on Twitter. You see my handle right there on the screen. If you're watching, if you're listening on the podcast, you know it by now. It's at Benfica Mister. And on Instagram, it's at Mr. Benfica. And don't forget, www.mrbenfica.com. You can find all the episodes there. You can find audio and video, plus any written content I have put out um, is all up there as well. All right. And I will see you on the other side of this break. Enjoy the music.
And welcome back to Mr. Befica, episode 114. And I got a special announcement I've been saving, so uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna drop it for you right now. I've kind of hinted to it. You've heard some of the you've heard some of the uh, ads run if you listen to the podcast for this ads I made myself. Because if you haven't noticed, there's not many paid ads anymore in the show. It is part of of. It's been part of one of the real uh, difficult parts of this season for me outside of Mifika's play has also been the loss of sponsorship and um, a couple other deals falling through. But I have wanted to announce this for quite some time. So if you are watching on YouTube, check, or I should say hello to everyone watching on YouTube, on on, uh, Twitter also, and on my Facebook. But... Uh, here is what I have for you. It is a little announcement that I have been saving, and I guess there's no time like the present to to uh, show it to you. So, without any further ado, there it is right there. Parking the bus, I announced the Euro 2020 Nightly. And I'll keep that up on the screen for you for a moment. 2020 Nightly Review, Euro 2020, starting June 11th, 8 p.m. Eastern Time here on the United States, which is 5 p.m. Pacific Time, and it is 1 a.m. Portuguese Time. I don't know how I'm going to pull this off, but I've been planning this for months, and even though uh, um, my uh, my work load in my day jobs has increased i have to pull i've been planning this for too long to give up on it now so there you see it parking the bus euro 2020 nightly review each night 8 p.m on the ptb media network's youtube channel on ptb media's uh, twitter twitter page just like those of you that are watching on twitter now and on www.parkingthebusmedia.com so each night I will come on and we will talk about the day's matches uh, in Euro 2020. Now, the reason I talk about that here before we get into the match is I'm looking for anyone who wants to participate in this, all right? I am looking for participants now. Uh, If you want to be on the show and talk about these matches with me, because nobody wants to listen to me talk in monologue for 30 days straight or for 26 nights straight. 26 out of 30 nights is exactly what it breaks down to. And... um, well, it, it, the reason I do the solo format is not because I like it or because I want to kind of evolve this way, but it's also because of my availability. But I have, I'm making the commitment that every night, regardless, I'm going to put myself out there at 8 p.m. every night. Um, I have to keep it to one hour because of my work schedule, but I think we can do a one-hour show every night, and I want to have you guys on with me. So if you're interested in coming on, if you're interested in being a correspondent, for one of the teams, what that means is I just would, I need somebody to keep up with what's going on with Italy, what's going on with England, what's going on with the Netherlands, what's going on with Germany and France are in Portugal's group, but still, what's going on with them? Um, I need people to watch matches and kind of, because I can't watch three matches a day, that's just 
not going to happen when I'm working two jobs. So I need people that watch the matches, and you can come on whenever you want, more or less. I mean, I, I the whole tournament is open, and um, if anybody's interested in coming on whenever they're available, I'll be more than happy to have anybody come on with me and talk about Euro 2020. It's going to be, I think, a fantastic tournament. I can't wait for it to start, to be honest. Um, you know, the raw as the rosters are being read off this week as they're coming out, it's just gets it's getting exciting. We're almost there. It's a year late, so the anticipation has built up. And uh, like I said, I planned this way, way back and um, almost had it derailed by, by circumstances outside my control, but I'm, I'm committed to this project. I want to do this. It's going to be a, like I said, it'll be a it'll be a video like this and then a podcast in uh in, you know, that will go out shortly thereafter. But I think that it's something that that's not out there, okay? Because you get you get the nightly shows on on your networks that cover the the matches. But a, a podcast, a video podcast I think brings something different from fans. I mean, it's a different sound, and I think people like it. And like I said, if, if anyone wants to assign themselves a team to be the correspondent for, and wants to join me when that team when that team plays, that'll be great. I think that'll be a lot of fun. I am planning to ask some people on, and uh, hopefully it'll all work out. But one way or another. Uh, this show will go on, and I'm even looking for somebody, if they're possible, to stand in and maybe and maybe replace me a night or two if if something happens or if if I just if I can't physically do it every night. Um, so if you you have any interest at all, hit me up. Okay, you can hit me up right on my Twitter there, or you can uh, send me a DM on Instagram or on Twitter, or whatever, on Facebook. Uh, you can also email me at the the Bef- the Mr. Benfica at gmail.com and um we can talk about it we, you if you got an idea let me know okay it's uh we can do pretty much anything cuz this is my show and I don't have a boss so I'm open to anything all right but uh, one thing I want to do is I want to document I want to basically cover this tournament um because I don't know how many opportunities I'm really going to have in life to really do a project like this and it it really uh speaks to my creative uh to my creative desires if you will and um i th- i think it, it will be a, a ton of fun so let's go through quickly through the matches in Liganage round 34 the last time we'll call it Liganage all right before we get into this so we have Porto four nothing uh, winners over Bolinish Sad. Gil Vicente won. Boavista two. We talked about that one. Boavista at the final moments, at the death, uh, guaranteeing safety in the Liganage. Morenes three. Famalicão nil in that other menu derby. Uh, Nacional one. Riuav two. Riuav comes from behind. They were going down. They were they were the ones that were going to be relegated when they were down one nil to Nacional, the last place team. But they managed to turn it around and get the result late, and in turn save themselves for now and put themselves in the playoff. Uh, Portimonense nil, Braga nil, Santa Clara four, Fudens nil. That means Santa Clara is going to the Europa Conference. And Farence is going to the Liga 2, to the second division. 
We got Vitória Guimarães 1, Benfica 3, the match we're going to start talking about in just a moment. And then you got Sporting 5, Maritimo 1. Now, the last game obviously had implications in the Golden Boot race. And, uh, well, again, the Liga does does pot the favor and let's has Benfica play first. Uh, again, for television, so that Sporting and Benfica are not on television at the same time. You, you can't possibly have one on Sport TV 1 and one on Sport TV 2. Okay, so they want to have them at different times so that they don't divide the audience. But again, I don't know. Did anybody actually watch Sporting play after after Benfica had finished? I literally called it a season. I Like I said, I wanted to see the scenes of the other the end of the other games. I had no interest in sitting and watching the already champion Sporting play. Not because for any, not because it's Sporting, but because there was nothing interesting there. When it comes down to a goal scoring race, I there's the internet, and actually, I tuned to Canal Ones, uh shortly, not long after after uh, the press conference, and they were talking. You know, I thought maybe we'd get some footage there. We didn't. It looks like they don't have rights, even though the federation owns the network. It looks like they don't have rights to the first division, uh, at least not to the on that day. They didn't. And uh, instead, I get by the time I start watching the show and they're starting to debate, Poth already had two goals. And the funny thing was now some networks were saying he had the tiebreaker. Some networks were saying Seferovic had the tiebreaker. RTP and BTV said Seferovic had the tiebreaker. Canalons said that Poth had the tiebreaker. One side said it was because Seferovic had one less match played. Um... The other said it was Poth because he played la- less actual minutes or something like that. In the end, Poth gets the hat trick. He wins the golden boot. And you know what it is deserved for for all the chances and all the opportunities squandered by Harris Seferovic this season. I don't think he deserved to win the golden boot. That's just my opinion. I wanted him to win it, but I can't be mad that he didn't. He If he had just finished another five out of the 50 chances he missed... He would have won the he would have won the golden boot if he'd if he'd finished ten out of the fifty, we we'd be in second place and going straight to the group stage of the Champions League instead. And now we are going to the to the preliminary round and we don't know yet which round we're going to because well we got to wait for the final of the Europa League later this week. If Manchester United win, this is simple. It's this simple. I'm gonna make it simple. If Manchester United win, we go into the playoff round. Okay, um, of the Champions League, which means we only have to get through one team to get to the group phase. If Villarreal win, then we have to go to the third qualifying phase, so we'd have to go through two teams. All right, so let's go through this match and look at the lineups. And actually, I have them here, so give me one moment here, and I will bring them up if you're watching, and I will put them on your screen. As we had Benfica and Vitoria Guimarães. It was uh, it was an eight o'clock local kickoff time. Okay, uh, just like the majority of the league, they were kicking off at that hour. Uh, like I said, Porto had already kicked off, so they were not um, they were done already. And Sporting would kick off late at nine forty-five. Okay, so here we go. We have here here's Vitoria Guimarães' lineup. If you're able to see it in goal, you have Matus Trimal. Uh, you got four across the back. Fale, Sacco is the right back, Jorge Fernandes and Abdul 
Mumin are the center backs with Silvio playing as the left back. Double pivot in midfield with the captain, Andrea Andrea, partnered with Pepelu. And then three attacking mids in front of him. Marcus Edwards on the right. Uh, Seychelles product, Joachimia in the center. And uh, the longtime Portugal international, uh, longtime superstar, Ricardo Quaresma on the left. And Oscar Estupinian is the striker. For Benfica, some changes in the lineup as JJ's looking ahead to the cup final on Sunday. And he's also giving a couple guys a run here. Uh, he goes with Odi in goal as I think this was the farewell for Odiseas Vlacodimos. Uh, he starts him in goal. The th- normal three-man back line, uh, Luke, except there's a change in it, but the formation is the normal one. Lucas Ferissimo, Nicolas Otamendi, and Philippe Moratu will replace Jan Vertonghen. Super Jan was planning to have the night off as Moratu gets his first start in the league. Not his first start with the first team. This was a big discussion point and a big... Uh, Bone of contention on Twitter. It's his first league start for Benfica. Okay. And then you have the wingbacks, Gilberto and Nuno Tavares. And I, I had a headache just thinking about that pairing as uh, as wingbacks for this one. Um, the double pivot in midfield, it gets better. It's Gabriel getting the start because he's been playing so well recently. And he, he's partnered with Adel Terapt. And then in front of them... Uh, to each side of, of the striker, you have Pedrinho on the right, Darwin Nunez to the left, and Aris Seferovic going for the golden boot as the starting striker. Now, the first thing about this is, you know, people were upset because Gonzalo didn't start because Seferovic is going for the golden boot. And I get that. But if he's going for the golden boot, you're giving him the second squad. I mean, if you're going to go for the golden boot, give him a team to set him up. Granted, it worked out, but at the time, I'm looking at it like, okay, you, you want to give him the chance to win the golden boot, but you're, gonna, you're not going to give him the assist, guys. They're not there. <laughs> anyway, um, well, I shouldn't say that. Darwin is in the lineup as, uh, as the assist guy, but... It, the game started really slow. This had a slow build. It didn't look like any, even with Vitori Gimenez having Europe on the line. I don't think they were that interested in qualifying for Europe. To be completely honest with you guys, because they don't come out that that eager. They don't come out that that ready. That that fight was not there early on that you normally see from these guys. And it, Benfica were allowed to possess and were allowed to play. You know, simple. And move the ball pretty freely through the first, I would say, through the first 20 minutes. Um, as I, I have a few notes here. And I, I did say, you know, you got the the way that the, the back three was set up was interesting. Because Moratu slides into the left. Which is why, that is why Vertonghen gets the day off. Because Moratu is a lefty and he's very one-footed still. And to be honest, Vertonghen's kind of one-footed, but um, that is how it starts, is with them three. We know that there's going to be an injury coming to Lucas Verissimo in a little bit. And um, that made it kind of confusing, but I thought what ended up coming afterwards was very good for Morato and for his confidence. And what happens is 
by the 40th minute, they sorted out to where Muratu plays in the center, Vertonghen on the left, and Otamendi on the right. And I think that's a great spot for the young kid in a match like this, to allow him to control the back line, allow him to be the talker because he's in the center of the back three. And I think he got a lot out of it because of that injury, if that makes sense, okay? I think the injury led to... The injury led to uh, Muratu being in a better position, getting more out of this appearance instead of just going in and kind of slotting as the left center back and following directions. He actually became the guy giving the directions, and that that's great in a young defender's uh, development because a lot of times the guys in the back, they, they, they come up very differently than the guys in the attack, okay? And a lot of times, guys have to wait a long time to come up. And a lot of times, it's, you know, it's, I mean, we were, we were, you know, lucky in a sense, because we saw Ruben Diaz and Ferro start right out of the B team. That's not the normal course for a center back. The normal course for a center back is a guy like Roderick Miranda or Ruben Smidu, okay, who come from the big teams but can't get the playing time and have to go somewhere else to get it. And then they go somewhere else, but they're still the young guy, and they still have to beat out older guys. And at center back, experience is a big part of the position. And experienced guys have a huge advantage over young guys. So Murato, I think, is going to find himself in that situation. Um... I don't think it's good for him to be the fourth center back. I think he either has to play. He's got three avenues to go, and I don't think Benfica want to continue with him on the track of the B team, even though I think we we move guys out of the B team too quickly in order to make in order to make space for younger guys. I think if you can't play in the first team and you don't have a good place to go. You don't have a good loan where you're going to go play. You should be in the B team playing all the time. That's what's best for the club. Because once you go off on loan to to Moreirense or to Famalicão, it's up to them to play you. If you're in the B team, Befica can still control your development. You can, they can manage your minutes and make you available for the Tasa de Liga, make you available for the Europa League, or whatever comes up during the course of the season. Of course, the, the flip side of that is a, to go on loan to a team that needs a center back and has decided that your guy is who they want. And again, we've, we've seen that in the past. And for example, you talk about Fumbalicão, and they use Diogo Queiroz from Porto, on loan, and they use him all season. And I mean, I don't care for the player, given that he, uh, <laughs> given that he he did Porto a big favor this season, and the four points or whatever that they're ahead of us right now came from him. So, um, it's it's really tough managing central defenders. Okay, Ruben Dias had had the type of ascend, and Victor Lindelof too. That is rare. They came from the B team. They there was an injury, and they slotted in, and played so well, and never never gave their spot back. Okay, that that's the ideal situation for a center back, but it rarely happens. 
you usually have to go off on loan, or you you find yourself sitting for years and years and years. Fehu is going to have a hard time playing now. He's on loan. He's probably going to be recalled, and who knows what the club's going to do with him? And I think there's a footballer there. There is a smart. He's like a younger. He is like a real young. Vertonghen almost, you know, and I I don't want to put that comparison or that pressure on the guy, but it's a similar game. You know, they're both good. They're both lefties, first of all, and they're both good at passing out of the back, and that's their strength. Now, there's only so many teams that care about building play out of the back. That's another problem when you come, when you're a central defender that came up through a Benfica, a Sporting, not so much Porto, but Benfica, a Sporting, maybe a Braga, um, you you have more emphasis on the build-up play out of the back when you go off on loan to a team that expects you to launch it 70 yards in the air. It's a different game. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with Muratu going forward. But I thought he got a real, real good experience in this one. Um, and I actually think he benefited from the unfortunate injury. That happened to Lucas Verissimo. In the eighth minute, we get a nice play from Pedrinho as he beats a couple guys and sends a nice looping pass over the top right onto the chest of Darwin Nunez. Darwin, though, takes too heavy a touch with his chest and the ball um, runs you know, away from him and goes out, out the end line for a goal kick. But it was a nice little play from, from Pedrinho who's seen very little play. And I know some people are hard on him. Not hard on him, are down on him, I should say. They don't see it. And, well, what I have seen in Pedrinho, okay, because I was watching him in the Brasileirão, what I have seen from him is that he has changed. His body has changed. He has gone through somewhat of a growth spurt, if that makes sense. I know he's he's not a kid, per se, but he has grown outward. Um, I know, because Elder Kunduto has said this in the broadcasts, that he has put on like five or six or seven kilos of muscle, supposedly, this season. And he said this back in, like, November. And I remember thinking that's way too much weight to be putting on in such a short period of time. He's lost all of his explosiveness, all of his uh, agility. And he's just working back into his body now. Um, I hope that they didn't ruin the player because they paid a lot of money for him. And he's not... Benfica's Pedrinho is not the Pedrinho that was playing at Corinthians. Now... We remember that this adaptation we talk about, for example, with Everton, that took all season for him to really kind of come out of that ad- adaptation period. Everton was an international already. Everton was uh, was playing in Copa Libertadores, and he was playing in Copa America for Brazil, and much more suited to adapt to the European game than a Pedrinho. Pedrinho hadn't even played outside the state of Sao Paulo. He had never played outside of Corinthians. Corinthians was the only team he'd ever played for. So I think he probably had more of a a culture and a physical shock of going to a new country, a new culture. People underestimate the difference between Brazilian and Portuguese, I think. Um, even in ter- verbally, I mean... The Portuguese guys have a hard time understanding Jorge Jesus. So I could see where he... And I think that's the problem with Luka Waldschmidt. I think that was the problem for a long time with Julian Weigel, is that they don't know what what George Azuz is saying. And he's, and he's like, berating, okay? And, yes, they've been players for a long time, so the game, the game speaks for itself. But 
Georges Zouge is a very instructive manager and not a patient one, which is fine. Uh, but when you have a language barrier, and I think you see that there's a language barrier for some of these guys, um, it makes it more difficult and it can it can actually hurt that that adaptation. So, again, I'm really interested to see next season the differences and if some of these players are more settled in. Because I'm not ready to call anybody a flop at this point. One year is not enough for anybody. Okay. We saw Darwin come along here at the end of the season as well, getting more comfortable, understanding better what, you know. I think it was as much the the team the team and the the manager um learning to understand what he his game is as it was the player learning what the manager wanted from him. So I think there was a little bit of of uh kind of common adaptation there between Darwin and, and Jota Jota. But in the twentieth Gilberto gets across in on uh Across the face of goal, it's wide open, but it's just out of the reach of Darwin. Um, and then in the 21st, it happens. It's while attempting to keep pace with, with Hoshinia. Lucas suddenly does the dreaded hop. An involuntary, it's an involuntary um, reaction to a pulled hamstring. Now, I never pulled a hamstring playing football, but I used to also run track and field or athletics. And after I'd kind of burnt out a little bit in football and I needed a change and I don't know I was 21 22 years old I needed a little bit of a change I started to train for for athletics again I started to train myself for track and field and I hadn't sprinted on a track in in spikes in four years at that point and uh I hadn't warmed up well and what happened was when I went to sprint I was doing repeat 100 meters, but I was also working on block starts. What happened was I, 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 was, I was garnering speed and power that you don't get playing football because you play football on grass or on turf. And you don't, it, you don't push off it the way you do off a all-weather surface track. And my hamstrings were not trained and were not fit. They were not in shape for that type of explosion, okay, in my fast twitch fibers. And three times I tried to train myself to get back in track shape. And every time I pulled the hamstring. And I did exactly what Lucas did on this play. I hit, and he didn't even hit top speed, so... Um, I don't think his he, I don't think his tear is very I don't think it's really much of a tear. It looks like a strain because mine I started turning my feet over and I'm not terribly fast. Well, today I'm not fast at all, but at this point I was not terribly fast, but I enjoyed sprinting and I I I ran, you know, the 400 meter dash, but I liked doing the speed work and running the short sprints. And what happened was, as my, as my turnover was faster than it had been in, in four years, like I said, because I hadn't put on a pair of track spikes in four years, my hamstring just went, all right. And I did that. It's like that all of a sudden it felt like it felt like a knife had gone into my hamstring, into the back of my leg, and I jumped in, in a reaction. And it happened three times. Three times I tried to come back from it and probably came back too early every time. But... I mean, one was real bad. It, bru it the muscle completely tore apart, and it it bled, and it was it, 
it was bruised. I mean, it bled under the skin. And um, that doesn't look like what happened to Lucas, which is good. Uh, they're saying it's a two- to three-week recovery, maybe four. He has been withdrawn from the Brazil national team. He won't be at the TASA final. But I have to admit, you heard me say in the last episode that selfishly I wanted him to not be called to the national team this particular summer because the guy has been playing nonstop for over a year. He's going on 13 months of high-level play. And I believe 100% that this injury is due to wear and tear. And I think this was his body warning him to shut it down. Honestly, I swear that I believe that this was his body firing a warning shot, telling him to shut it down for the season and to get some rest. He's overdoing it. He's overdone it. Um, so, honestly, I saw some people blaming JJ for this, for playing him. I think it would have happened in the, in, the, in the cup final. I mean, again, the guy has gone nonstop for 13 months. That's not how a human is supposed to perform. So, not at this level especially. So, he goes off injured. In comes Vertonghen. And, uh, again, they shuffle around the back line for a little while. Nothing else really happens in the first half. We get a yellow card to, to Adele Tarapt in uh, the 42nd minute for uh, an apparent simulation. Um, Adele was adamant. He said, go look, go watch, go watch. He said in English to the referee to go watch to see the review. It looked to me like he stepped on the defender's foot and fell. Very similar to what happened with Diogo Gonçalves against Porto. So if that wasn't a foul, you know, if that wasn't a penalty kick against Porto, I, I think it would have been hard to see it called a penalty kick here. But I thought the yellow card might have been a little bit harsh. But um, I don't know that it was necessarily... Maybe it was a simulation. I watched it live. I didn't watch it again. I really didn't pay uh, too much value to it. it. It's a yellow card at the end of the season. I don't think it carries over to mean much. And the two teams go in at halftime uh, drawn nil-nil. So come out in the second half and Benfica start on the right foot here. Darwin Nunez gets an opportunity. And he he shoots a right-footed shot from outside the box. It's saved in the top right corner. It was a nice save from the goalkeeper there. And then it happened in the 47th minute, and finally the deadlock is broken. And who else but the Swiss Army Knife? Harris Seferovic getting his 19th of the season, and it's another assist for Darwin Nunez. It's Darwin's tw uh, 10th assist of the season. 10th assist, excuse me, of the season. And 1-0 to Benfica. And... Again, Vitoria don't really look like they're desperate to make Europe. Uh, later, Late in the match, they start to really fight for the result and they start to come back. But here, they really, in this phase, they're kind of okay with, with Benfica running the show and Benfica having chances. They're trying to keep them from, from doing too much damage. Seferovic is another opportunity in the 53rd minute, set up by Pedrinho. And he has a header from the center of the box, but he misses to the right. And... Odiseyaj makes a couple saves, but nothing too crazy. And then we move. We move. It's another attempt for Seferovic in the 56th minute. Left footed shot from the center of the box. He had been set up by Otamendi, but it was blocked by Sako. 
And then on the ensuing corner, it is actually Gabriel of all people. And Gabriel gets a header and he passes it across the face of goal. Actually, it's more of a flick. It's not really a header across, I should, as I'm remembering it now. It was more of a flick. And then Seferovic gets on the end of the flick and heads it to the far post. It's the 20th goal of the season for Harris Seferovic. And I think he thought he won the golden boot on this one because he celebrated and he went and he ran right to Rui Kostler and began to celebrate it. The whole team celebrated with him. Uh, I think they truly believed that that was going to be enough to hold on. Of course, um, the other guy's going into the into his match knowing he needs two goals. So, um, had they played at the same time, that probably would have been enough to win it. But that's not the way the league the Liga schedules it. Fifty eighth minute, and we get a a triple substitution here. So on comes Pizzi, Chiquinho, and Everton. Off comes Darwin, Pedrinho, and Adele Tarapt. And this is again now, this is the part where George Zeus talked about this on on Saturday uh, in, lose, in the win, excuse me, over Sporting, but in almost blowing a 4-1 to lead and that the team does not know how to play with the lead with the ball. Of course, part of his job is to teach them to do that, but I'm not going to get into the, the that right now. But Befica cede all control of the match, okay? I, I, I don't have a problem with a team not possessing. I have a problem with a team allowing the other team to come down their throats and not regaining control. You don't have to have the ball to control the game. You do have to have positioning and territory. and You, ha you do have to dictate where the team that has the ball goes. Again, I've said we don't have a team to to be playing possession. Although on this day we did for much of much of the game, but once the other team wants the ball, we don't have much of a team to keep it from them. Okay, and JJ brought in some ball handlers there, Shikinu, uh, PZ, and and Everton can all handle the ball, but. You know, again, the team just gets timid, gets nervous. I don't know what it is, but once they're playing with the lead, they begin to struggle and they begin to psychologically just break. And it doesn't take too long. It goes. It's in the 62nd minute, and George Fernandez gets gets a header, and he heads it into the bottom left corner, beating Odi as the ball was crossed by Ricardo Correjo. And it's 2-1 to one with a half hour to play. And again, I'm sitting here like they're going to make us go through this again, aren't they? They're just going to make us <laughs> make us suffer through the last 30 minutes of the season. Um, Peasy with a right-footed attempt in the 64th. But Gilberto with an attempt in the 66th. And then a double substitution for Vitoria Guimarães. Andrea Amaru comes on for Abdul Mumin. And Andrea Almeida comes on for Andrea Andrea. So attack-minded substitutions there, and it starts to get nerve-wracking because you know they're they're looking very likely to draw a level. JJ decides it's time to boost the defense a little bit by bringing on the defender that can't defend. Grimaldo is on, Nuntavares is off, and it's it's six one half dozen the other to be honest in terms of trying to hold a lead. Um, Grimaldo obviously the much better footballer right now, but but when it comes to you know defending a lead and and having to 
to mark a player and having to to win balls and having to be positioned well they're not there's not that much difference between these two guys and on that side of the ball and then we get another substitution in the 76th minute the South African Lyle Foster comes in for Vitoria he replaces Estupinian and Zio Otara Otara replaces Silvio so attack minded substitutions and suddenly in the 75th minute Vitoria decide they want to go for the result uh I mean, at this point, Santa Clara's up like 4-0. So I think they've realized, ooh, we kind of let this one get away. Maybe we should have approached this differently. Or maybe they're saying, oh, good, we don't have to go to Europe. Because I really think sometimes in our league, teams think like that. Because you see teams, once they they hit a certain point of the season, drop off. I don't know if it's a fear of getting embarrassed in Europe. I don't know if it's a bored uh, fearing the financial commitment they would have to make to go play in Europe. Again, Portugal is like the only league where teams qualify for Europe, and then we find out they didn't do the paperwork to go, and they end up, you end up having the same six teams every year. So it is very good to know that Santa Clara filed their paperwork and they're going to play. And yes, there was also talk about this on Twitter. Yes, the Stadio São Miguel is FIFA approved, uh, UEFA approved. Excuse me. They will be able to play home matches there in Europe. So Marcus Edwards gets a few opportunities, and uh, he's a really he's a nice little player. I, I've always liked Marcus Edwards, and in, interestingly, at the start of the match, him and Quaresma had switched sides, and he was playing more on the left and Quaresma on the right, which is not how they normally uh, line up, but. Um, you, and that was a point made by the commentator on, on RTP. But then in the 85th minute, it is a left-footed shot from outside the box by Gabriel that is saved in the center of the goal. But we move to the 90th minute and, um, well, if you could break in, uh, Everton Cibolina on the ball, running at goal. And he's got, he, he gets the feed from Grimaldo, and this is what Grimaldo can do. This is what he's very good at. And then... Everton does look up and look for Seferovic, and I think he wants to slide it across goal to let Seferovic get the hat trick. The problem was that the Vitoria defenders knew that, and they over-cheated to, to Seferovic, so they kind of double-marked him, which left the shooting lane wide open for Everton Cibolina, leaving him no option but to score the goal himself. Everton scores 3-1. to one. If you go win the match, let's move on to the goal point then and let's see uh, how the ratings came out as we wrap up this final match in the league for 2020-2021. And the goal point is coming up and there it is. So we'll look at, we'll start with Vitoria Guimarães and you can see their average rating was a 5.21. Their expected goals was a half a goal. Um, so they beat their XG by scoring a goal. Uh, their goalkeeper, Tremal, 5.4. Sacco, 4.4. George, uh, George Fernandes, 5.8. Mumin, 5.1. Silvio, 4.6. Rochinha, 5.2. Andre Andrea, 4.5. Marcus Edwards, 5.9. Pepelu, 5.7. Koresma, 5.5. And Estupinian. 4.6, and then off the bench, you got uh, Br Bruno with a 4.8, Amaru 4.9, Andre Almeida 6.0, Lyle Foster 4.8, and, and Otara 
4.9. Befica, on the other hand, with an average rating of 6.17, and uh, you can see their XG at 1.5, so they outperformed that expectation. Odie with a 7.6 in goal. He matches, uh, he's tied for the top rating. And then Gilberto with a 4.9. Lucas Verissimo, 5.1 in 21 minutes of play. That's an interest. For me, that's a high rating for such a short time frame, but uh, he didn't make any mistakes, and he, he probably had a really good pass percentage, I'm assuming, to get that kind of a ranking because it, it weighs that very heavily. Otamendi, 5.9. Morato with a 6.7 on his debut. That's a nice, nice little league debut for him. Nuno Tavares, 5.6. Tarap, 6.2. Gabriel, 6.6. Pedrinho, 5.9. Darwin, 6.6. And Seferovic, the man of the match, with two goals and a 7.6 rating. We can move on here, and you can see the heat map if you're watching where uh, Seferovic covered a lot of a lot of his space there. You can see he checks to the ball a lot. He likes to play in this space here. Um, when he's not receiving the ball, he likes to get in between the lines here in this, at the edge of the attacking third and start to see the ball there and start to run at people. But two goals for him, six shots, three of them on goal. He He battled for five balls in the air, winning four of them. And he had a pass for a shot. And then, um, I'm not really sure what they mean by forward passes, I guess, attempted. Or maybe, I'm not sure what they mean by Valiozos in that context. But uh, one dribble, one if, and he was successful. He was fouled twice. You can look here at the stats. So 10 shots for Vitoria, 19 for Benfica. 7 on goal for Vitoria, 9 for Benfica. 18 actions in the opponent's area for Vitoria to 29 for Benfica. Vitoria had 7 corners to Benfica's 4. So that is the one stat they win. But pass efficiency, Benfica 85% to 81 for Vitoria. Uh, vertical pass efficiency, six point, uh, sorry, 67% uh, to Vitoria, 61. Actions in the opponent's uh, defensive midfield, 12 actions in the opponent's defensive midfield for Benfica, 10 for Vitoria, and then fouls 19 to 15 in favor of Vitoria. And Benfica with about 58% uh, of the possession, which is more or less where they should be against a team like Vitoria. So I'm not too worried. I'm not putting too much stock in that. And that, my friends, is the end of the match. So let's move on. Let's bring up the. Sofa scores standings right now. I'll bring that up next. And we'll, yep, there's the table. So we will pull them up and just see where everything finishes. Uh, we've kind of already covered it just in, in informal terms. But let's go down the table and finalize everything here. So you got Sporting are your champions with 85 points. Porto second with 80 points. Benfica third with 76. Benfica, Jorge Jesus wants everyone to know, had the most points in the second half of the season. Um, I guess you can send him a trophy for that. <laughs> uh, Sporting Braga, 64 points in fourth. They'll go to the Europa League straight to the group stage. If I'm not mistaken, maybe that changed. Um, because I know in the Europa Conference, nobody goes straight to the group stage. Everybody has to play a playoff. 
So Pastors Fajeda go directly to the playoff of the of the Europa Conference, while Santa Clara go in to the second qualifying stage. Moreres miss out on Europe by three points, as do Vitoria Guimarães, their seventh and eighth, uh, respectively. Pomelicão three behind them in ninth with 40. Also, Bolinish Saad with 40. Gil uh, Vicente have 39. Boavista 36. They end up going from 16th to 12th on the final day with a win. Uh, Tondela fall to 13th. They have 36 as well. Portimones are safe by a point. And I'm really sad about that. I wanted them to drop into the playoff spot. Unfortunately, they got a draw in the final final match of the season. I wanted to. I still that I will always want Portimonense to drop. I don't like them, and I don't like their relationship they have with Porto. And uh, watch how quickly that that striker Beto goes to Porto to replace uh, to replace uh, Musa Marega. Maritimo finished 15th, one point from the playoff, so they were safe. Chihuahua will now play a playoff, like we said. They will play. The matches have already been scheduled. It'll be Wednesday, ne- one week, or next week. Uh, Wednesday, the 20... Wednesday, the 26th, they will play the away leg for them, and they'll play at either Vizela, Aroca, or... Academica, like I said, the Liga Doge has their final uh, round this weekend, and then the home leg will be the following Sunday at at uh, Vila do Conde. France and Nacional are relegated. Now, interestingly enough, if you look over here to my right, you see SofaScore's top-rated players for this season. This is an average rating for the entire season. Pot is first, 7.49. Sergio Oliveira is second with 7.42. But here's the guy that's making uh, a little bit of a name for himself this season. It's Ryan Gold, former Spartan player. Scottish, uh, former, they used to call him the Scottish Messi or something like that. Uh, a lot of people shocked he was left off the Scotland team for the Euro 2020. I am one of them. With Ferenc going down, I think this is a player that uh, can become available, and I think he could be interesting. A left-footed uh, central midfielder, we can always use one of those, um, who's 25 years old. I, I, If I am Hui Costa, I this is one of the guys I could I could see myself going after. I mean, um, I think I think he could he could fit in very nicely in this team, and he could be that attacking midfielder we've been looking for. He could. I don't know how much he can play as an eight versus as a as a uh, a ten, but I think that you know, I I think Befica really um, can't go out and spend a lot of money. I, obviously, they can't do that. They spent a lot last year, so I'm not sure what his market value is at right now. But I think that Ryan Gold could be a very very good uh, acquisition for Befica this off season if they choose to do so. Uh, we'll have to wait and see where that goes. I know some of you might not agree with that, but that's okay. This is Mr. Benfica is always a forum for for opposing viewpoints. I am always happy when people disagree with me. I think what this world needs more is 
people's ability to disagree and disagree civilly and dis- and talk about disagreements versus the world we have where you know it's it's beating your way into everybody else and if they don't agree you cancel them no um so please if you're listening and you disagree with me i still like you okay i still respect your opinion and um i'm i certainly uh, see that you could be correct and I could be wrong. It's entirely possible. So the goal scorers, we have uh, Pot with 23, Seferovic with 22, Taremi with 16, Mario Gonzalez with 15, Carlos Jr. with 14, Sergio Oliveira with 13, probably 11 of them from the penalty spot, Betu with 11, uh, Mateo Casiera with 10, Ryan Gold with 9, and Douglas Tank with 9. So that, my friends, will uh, wrap up the season. And it looks like I left, yep, I left that background on there of Euro, uh, yeah, that Euro 2020 background was not supposed to, that was not supposed to stay there, but that's all right. Um, that that wraps it up, guys. Third place, not acceptable. At the end of the, at the end of the day, not acceptable, especially not after the large investment we put in last summer. Benfica have not been in third place since 2008-2009. A few notes, okay. Uh, Tomorrow is Saturday, uh, May the 22nd, and we have the big, big match for the Liga BPI Championship. And I had misspoken in the previous podcast. I said it was going to be at Alcochit. No, no, no. Our girls are going to go play at Alvalad tomorrow, okay. It's 12 noon kickoff here on the east coast of the United States, 9 a.m. Pacific and uh, 5 p.m. in Portugal, okay? That match will be on Canal 11, okay? And if Benfica win or draw, Benfica are the champions for the first time in the club's history. They'll be women's football champions of the first division, and that means they'll go to the Champions League again and can and, and add to the story they started to write this season. Um, I am super excited about this. So 11.30 tomorrow, half hour before kickoff, Go right where you are right now. And if you haven't yet, hit subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. Hit the subscribe button. Uh, hit the alert so that you f- you get alerted when I go live tomorrow. A half hour before kickoff, I'm going to have a little preview of Benfica versus Sporting in women's football. Because this one is for the championship. And yes, unfortunately, the Portuguese Federation scheduled this kickoff for the same exact time. That Atletico Madrid and Valladolid are kicking off, and that Villarreal and Real Madrid are kicking off. So um, that's a little bit of a unfortunate for the girls, but that is the scheduling. So that is the next thing you will get from me. So it's in about 15 hours from now. I'll be back. Um, then we'll have the match, and then um, futsal plays early tomorrow. It's a 2 p.m. or 14 o'clock. Lisbon time kickoff. They're playing on the road at Fundão. Game one of the semifinals. Um, and that's all we've got left in the club right now. Uh, handball is playing. They're going to play out. I think they have two rounds left in the season. But that's all we've got left now is women's football and men's futsal. So um, the episodes are winding down, I got to say. So this is episode 114. We got at least two more. We got at least three more. Probably four more episodes to make uh, to make season three and to be the end of season three. 
and um, of course futsal is going to run is going to overlap with the euro because once again the Portuguese federation same federation they run that and uh, for whatever reason they don't want to speed this thing up um, I think it's it's interesting that they can go to the UEFA Champions League Elite Eight and play a quarterfinal, a semifinal, and a final in three consecutive days. But in a best of three series, it's on a Saturday, a Wednesday, a Saturday, just to drag this into into June and into uh, the Euro. So um, I do want to to cover the futsal teams run to the end of to the end of their way, the end of their road. Um, so we have. We're looking at four or five more episodes still of Mr. Benfica this season. And also, I will say here that the, the Euro 2020 nightly show will will uh, also show up on the Mr. Benfica feed on your podcast player, okay? Whether it's on Apple, Spotify, uh, TuneIn, uh, Podbean, iHeartRadio, uh, Odyssey, wherever you're listening, Audible, if you're an Amazon Prime subscriber. So wherever... The podcast is available. Um, you will get all of the Euro 2020 reviews, even though I really want to build up the Parking the Bus podcast speed because this one has a lot more subscribers. Um, I, w- I will put it there because at the end of the day, I want people to to listen to the content and to enjoy it more than I want to streamline it into one channel. I want to get it to as many people as possible. Okay, This, this is my art, and I want to share it. Um, that's just the way that I've chosen to look at this. Um, but very, very excited for that. Again, I don't know how I'm going to pull that off this summer, but if you want to help me do it, let me know. I will be happy to have some co-hosts and have some, uh, some guests to get me through something like 26 out of 30 nights of, of podcasting in a row. All right, that's going to do it. This has been episode 114. So again, Tomorrow, a half hour before kickoff of the women's game, tune in. I'll give you a pregame show, and we'll take it from there. Also, Sunday is the cup final, no question about it. And I have obviously, I have not forgotten. Again, same thing, half hour before kickoff, tune in, and I'll preview the Taça de Portugal final versus Braga. And then, of course, we'll have a couple podcasts to review both of those matches. But that's going to do it for this one, all right? Um... I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you for hanging with me this long, um, and I will see you soon. This has been Mr. Benfica, episode 114. I am the Mr. Mike Agustinu signing off. Don't forget, subscribe on, on YouTube, uh, follow on Twitter, go to www.mrbenfica.com, sign up for the email list, okay, and get alerted whenever I post things. And, um, yeah, I got, I, I'm looking forward to, to tomorrow's game, so I uh, hope everyone else is as well. Have a good night, everybody. See ya.